Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen. Today, I wanted to do a little bonus episode this week. Um, I've promised a pregnancy update to let you know how things have been going. Um, So I thought I would drop it this week since I am now 38 and a half, almost 39 weeks um, when this drops. So if you're new to the podcast, I'm an Ayurvedic wellness counselor, a yoga teacher, and an author. And my specialties are seasonal living and, you know, healing period pain and um, helping you really thrive during with your menstrual cycle and perimenopause. So today's episode, ah, this one is like all of the things that I've done this pregnancy. I wanted to share any of my hiccups that I've had. I wanted to share, um, and maybe a little bit about how this pregnancy has been a little different than with my, my almost seven-year-old now. So this time around, um, I, a, I'm 38 years old. And so age really hasn't been a factor, but I am giving birth at a birth center is the plan. And so they treat, they treated my pregnancy, not like a geriatric pregnancy. It's a very much about, um, you know, consent, like what, what do you want to happen? They really listen to you. And, um, you, I got to lay out things, you know, what is my birthing room preference? How would, would I like to birth? And they like are taking notes on this because you don't know which midwife is going to be on call when baby decides to come. And so it's been a completely different process than um, when I was pregnant with my son and I delivered in the hospital. And um, with my son, I did get, I had to go to a brand new hospital because they were full at the hospital I had originally planned to birth at and had been going to this doctor for years and years and years. And um, I called when my water broke and they said, I'm sorry, we're full. And so they had said, here are your two options. And so I, I picked a different hospital that I had never seen, visited, didn't know anything about. Um, and it turned out to be, it turned out fine, but that is just it's a, a completely different process. Cause the first question I asked at the birth center, I said, what happens if you're full, you know, and she, she had said the odds of that happening are pretty low because they really do limit how many births are there um, during each season and during each month to make sure stuff like that doesn't happen. They also have a potential third room that will open and they won't turn, turn away, you know, people. So there was that. So that was kind of my big question of like, okay, this happened last time. That's something I don't want to happen this time if possible. So with that being said, um, you know, I really didn't prepare a ton. I don't think with my son, I went to the classes, you know, we went to the labor and birthing class probably at like 28 weeks pregnant because it fit into my schedule better. And I, you know, I needed it to count for my yoga teacher training at the time. So I wouldn't go that early because by the time we were actually in labor, we didn't remember anything that we had talked about in class this time around. Um, we were going to go to a, um, a kind of a refresher class, but they had to reschedule. And then now I, I don't know at the time of this recording, I am not sure if we'll make it there or not because it's after the baby's due date. So if baby comes a little bit earlier, we will not be at the refresher class. Otherwise we'll, we'll go to the refresher class and the same thing with my breastfeeding class. I have had major pregnancy brain. I wanted to just do a refresher class. When I got the email saying the childbirth refresher class was rescheduled, I thought it was the breastfeeding class. So I just didn't go that night. And it turns out it was the childbirth one. So I'm saying my pregnancy brain this time, I feel it a lot more just kind of mushy, jumbled. I, I can't focus. We'll see how this podcast even comes out if my words are making sense to you. Um, But that is kind of where I'm at 
um, with, you know, just high intensity work, I'm basically kind of shut things down besides my one-on-one clients. I will take until baby decides to arrive. They all are on notice of, you know, I might have to cancel last minute and they were all okay with that. Um, as far as the book that I was writing, the book is done complete. I sent it off to my editor. So my editor will be looking at it while I'm on, um, postpartum leave. So it's kind of perfect timing there. You know, she'll kind of make notes. And then once my brain is hopefully a little more refreshed, you know, come, you know, April, May, I'll be able to kind of circle back and do some of those edits. And so that's kind of where I'm at with some of my work projects, just to kind of, I, I there's no way I'm doing anything high functioning right now. It's just, you know, it, you're, if um, anyone who's had a baby or been pregnant, you kind of know, you're kind of like a little in that mushy state towards the end. So let's dive into some of the practices that I did this pregnancy that I didn't last time. I don't know if I did any of these. I did some of them last time, but most of these I did not. They're brand new. They're not all Ayurvedic, but a lot of them do come from Ayurveda. So meditation and yoga asana. I did that daily from January 1st to when baby arrives. So my plan every morning, um, I did the Adrian yoga with Adrian um, challenge in January and I just modified. And I remember trying to do that when I was pregnant with my son and I couldn't, but I didn't know how to necessarily modify myself the best. And I, I just wanted to kind of push through. Whereas this time I'm like, no, let me just take, I want to do these practices. I want to make this a habit. Um, I felt, I, you know, I, it is obviously it is my body, but it feels different. And I don't think I, I really did not like that feeling, um, when I was pregnant with my son, because it just didn't, I felt like a foreign object and I was used to being an athlete. And so I had a really tough time adjusting workouts, especially towards the end. Whereas this time I feel like I'm much more comfortable adjusting workouts, adjusting my yoga practices and feeling more connected, I guess, to baby in that sense. And then meditation that has been really helping me. I've been doing a morning meditation and then now at 38 weeks, I've also incorporated an afternoon and even an evening meditation. So I've been doing a lot of meditation, visualization, um, kind of visualizing birth and just kind of helping myself get into a stance where I know I can kind of drop in. Uh, I've also been doing yoga nidra. And I try to do that two to three times a week. Now, as we're getting closer to birth and a lot of my other work commitments have slowed down, I'm kind of doing a little bit more with the yoga nidra this past, you know, this past week I have been. So that is also helping me relax. And it really gets me some deep rest because sleep has not been going great the last few weeks. You know, my hips really, really ache. So yoga nidra is kind of coming in and, you know, it isn't asleep. It is more of an awakening. So you do feel refreshed after. So I found I'm finding that's really helpful. And then I've been taking baths pretty much the whole pregnancy, most nights. So that's been something that I did not do with my son. I didn't know if it was safe. Um, and it totally is. It's just as long as you're not having scolding hot bath water, which it does not feel good when you're, when you're pregnant anyway. And so I'm just having a nice bath with some Epsom salts and some herbs. And, um, that has been really refreshing. I've been doing Abhinyanga basically since month six. So a gentle massage, they don't recommend a really forceful or vigorous massage during pregnancy, but, um, every night I really look forward to getting my oil. I heat it up and then I, you know, sit down on my couch and I do my Abhinyanga practice. I will say it gets harder to do like my feet and my calves and my legs in general, as baby is grown and belly is grown. Um, it is not as easy to maneuver 
but it's still something that I really look forward to doing. Um, I've also did the Yoni Pichu and the perineal massage around week 32. Um, I started that and I do it about every other day when about week 32, I maybe did it once or twice a week. And so now I'm about every other day with that. And I've talked about those practices, I think in a previous podcast, if you want to kind of learn more about those, they're not going to be for everyone. That's something that not everyone's going to be comfortable doing either one of those. So really have to decide if that's a practice you want to do. Next, um, eating dates and drinking red raspberry leaf tea. So I started doing that daily since about week 32. So, you know, I had a day to day and then some tea. Again, I have a really deep relationship with red raspberry leaf tea. I feel super comfortable. I could have drank that probably the entire pregnancy and felt really fine with that. It's more of a toning of the uterus than um, it's not going to necessarily put you into labor. And so that's kind of one of the, I guess, myths that I see having studied again, just a little bit of herbs um, in a few different programs that I've taken with my herbs. And so that's where I, I feel comfortable taking it. Now with my dates, since about week 36, I've upped, I've upped my date content or my date consumption to about four to six dates a day. I really do think that's been helping me stay regular because constipation was something that I started to struggle with when I took iron supplements, which I'll talk about in a second. But my dates having increased those, I think that's been helping me have regular movements again. Um, I lifted weights about three times a week, most of my pregnancy until about week 36. So I stayed really consistent with the three times a week, um, which I did not with my son. I, I know by January with him and he was born on leap day. So right around the same time, this baby's due um, due date or guest date is February 18th. So it's kind of right around that same time, but I kind of stopped lifting weights around January with him. And I've been able to kind of keep that up around week 37. I kind of switched to once, maybe twice a week of lifting. Um, I really just kind of go by how I feel. I'm more focused on yoga asana and just kind of relaxing my pelvic floor versus lifting at this stage because my sleep has not been great. Um, I want to make sure my ojas are there. Cause again, baby could c- come at any time. And I want, I don't want to make, I don't want to have an intense workout. And at this stage, really any in- intense workout is lifting weights. That is kind of an intense workout for me. Um, I, I don't want to overdo it and have to be, um, really depleted going into labor and for myself, relaxing pelvic floor, last time was something I needed, relaxing my transverse abdominis. So I've been focusing more on those practices than necessarily lifting a ton of weights. Um, I started to walk daily again um, around this week, mostly because it's been so cold here and it's been so icy. So basically since mid-December, it hasn't been ideal for me to walk around. You know, I live in St. Paul and our neighborhoods, some people shovel, some people don't. The roads are horribly icy. And so it's just really hard to get out as a pregnant person right now to, to walk and feel safe. Um, and so probably about mid-December, I was walking daily, you know, with one of our dogs. And, um, you know, since then it's just been ice and cold. So now I've been kind of going with my husband, you know, I have him come with me just because I don't necessarily feel safe in case I fall, um, you know, with the patches of ice that we still have. So that's kind of how that's been going. I would ideally have been doing that daily, the whole pregnancy. Um, and then going into malls again, I des- I don't necessarily want to, I could have totally like, we lived not too far from the mall of America. I could have totally went and walked there, 
but I don't necessarily want to be around a ton of people or crowds. I'm trying not to get sick right before baby comes. So there's also that factor in the back of your head because, you know, we're still in cold flu season and just don't want to pick up something at the last minute. So that's that's kind of how the walking has been going with myself. Um, compression socks. This pregnancy has been a game changer. Um, I have been wearing them probably since around week 24 of pregnancy. And I've talked about that. I've had varicose veins in my legs and my circulation tends to be poor, I guess, in my calves, which I didn't realize I should have realized because when I was in college, I had really bad shin splints and they thought I had stress fractures. And so for me, my calves, and just probably since, I mean, just my whole life, my calves have probably been just tight. And so that's kind of where the the shin splints were coming. And so compression sacks have really helped. And so I just actually bought some more for postpartum and I will probably wear compression socks when I go on my long walks and on my favorite trail in the future, you know, not pregnant because it, it really has been that helpful for my calves and bringing the circulation and helping those varicose veins, um, somewhat reduce in size. So I think there's just more blood flowing going on. So that's been a game changer for myself. Highly recommend if you haven't tried, um, And this time I am planning on, again, I talked a little bit about this, but I'm going to do a standalone birth center versus the hospital setting. And so that's different than what I had last time. And I just had my appointment um, yesterday and they asked what I'm bringing for food for labor and for postpartum. And so I'm like, wow, this is so cool to, I, I had an idea, but completely would have forgot about it. And so I'm going to bring a rice porridge and I have a recipe in the Ayurveda mama book that I'm going to bring. And, um, she said, you know, you can have that during labor and then again, postpartum, it just wants to be something nourishing, which in Ayurveda, something warm and grounding is what you want. And so that is exactly what I'm going to bring. So overall, um, I can't talk to you. I'll, I'll do another podcast about the birth story and how everything went, but with the birth center versus a hospital, I will just kind of touch base on that. So that again, this is a standalone birth center, meaning it's not connected to a hospital. Um, it is a completely different feeling. It's a completely different setup. You know, it is a, it's an old house, you know, it's an old house here in St. Paul and the rooms feel like bedrooms and they're just really homey. They have the curtains and just like, I mean, it's just a standalone bed. Most people aren't birthing in the bed, you know, they're birthing in the tub or on all fours on the floor and they have this, the slings and they have all of those things. So they don't ask or they don't do any tests or procedures without asking you first for permission. Um, they don't just kind of do stuff and say, hey, we'll do it later or, you know, tell you why later they will, you know, really get your consent. So, for example, I did go to my first appointment at the hospital that I originally I was going to deliver this baby at. And um, I, I didn't want to do the genetic testing. I said, no, you know, based on what I've read, there's a lot of false positives. I'll just wait until the 20 week ultrasound. And they, they really were the, the midwife there was not listening to me. And she said, well, I'm just going to put an order in and they'll give you a call and you can decline it. And I'm like, well, I just, I don't want that. But she didn't listen. And she said, nope, I'm just going to put it in. You might change your mind. So I kind of saw how that experience was going to go. I'm going to be labeled as geriatric pregnancy and I'm going to be pushed constantly at the hospital to be doing these things that I don't necessarily want to do. And in the birth app that I'm in, a lot of people are getting pushed to be induced pretty early. Um, some as early as 36, 37 weeks. And 
Um, a lot of them aren't sure why. And so that's been happening a lot with some of the hospitals I've been seeing. And it's, you know, some of it's convenience of the, of the doctor because they know when the, the patient's going to be there. And, you know, some of the people were, didn't know if they're first time moms, like, how do I, how do I manage that? Do I really need to be induced? You know? So that's kind of a different experience at the birth center where they're just very much, um, you know, what do you want? They will give recommendations if you ask. Um, so for example, when I went to the birth center, I said, I didn't want to do, do the genetic testing. And I said, the only thing I'm kind of worried about is my son has sickle cell anemia trait. And they said at the hospital, they could catch that early. And the birth center said, no, that's not, they cannot, that's the heel prick after birth. That's when you can catch that. So, you know, they more or less kept, you know, can catch like the trisomy 13, trisomy 18. Um, those things are kind of what they're testing with the genetic testing. And so that was kind of eye-opening too, that basically the hospital lied to me about what they're even testing for and why they would want me to test this, you know, genetic testing. So in the end, I didn't get it done and everything was fine at the 20 week ultrasound and things. So it just felt a bit more, um, like you are believed, like you're part of the process. You don't have to be, um, I guess, looked down upon, you know, just because you're, your views might not align with what the practice, you know, wants and, um, what the hospital wants. So at the birth center, they also have, they don't do vaccines there. And so you, they do do a vitamin K shot after birth, but if you wanted like the hepatitis B is the vaccine that is common at birth or at hospitals given after birth, as well as the IGOOP. Um, so I declined IGOOP and then hepatitis B I, I won't get with, um, this baby. I didn't finish the shots with my son either. Um, just in doing my own research with that one. And so those are kind of what I also like about it is I'm not necessarily fighting an uphill battle. Um, they kind of have same values and similar values of what I do. Um, and then the same with a shot of Pitocin after birth, you're not necessarily, you don't have to have it if you don't want it. Um, I personally am just because if you had a hemorrhage potential after birth, um, if you've had a child already, then it's kind of nice to know. So I know at the birth center, you are going home four to six hours after your birth. And so that's when the potential for hemorrhaging can happen. So I just, I'm getting the shot of Pitocin just purely because based on my first birth with my son and just out of, Hey, I'm going to be going home pretty early. I just want to make sure everything is, is good. I just have my own peace of mind. And I've went back and forth kind of with that decision and deciding, you know, what is best. But in the end for me, having that peace of mind, I think is going to be is going to be what's best. So that is a little bit about kind of the birth center experience. Um, as far as pregnancy pains, I have really been, you know, knock on wood, pretty good here. I've had some Braxton Hicks that were a little bit more intense starting around month seven. Insomnia has been awful. I will say that I've had that pretty much the whole pregnancy. And then again, the last few weeks has been horrible because my hips are expanding and, um, the pelvis is expanding. I can feel baby is locked and engaged just sitting on my pelvis. Um, and then again, the ice outside has really been a damper and how cold it's been. So I haven't been able to get outside as much as I want. And then I've had low iron at my week 28 blood draw. Now I don't have low iron. If I was at a hospital, they wouldn't even um, have said I had low iron the birth center has just a little bit higher numbers that they like to see for these things. And so for their numbers, I'm just a little bit low. So I've been started taking iron supplements though. 
um, iron supplements can take months to kind of increase levels. So just kind of know that if you're, if you're also in that boat, it can take a while before levels will increase with supplements. Um, taking it with vitamin C has been shown to kind of help improve those numbers. So that's, that's kind of what I've been doing, um, to kind of increase the iron there. So yeah, that's in a nutshell, how pregnancy has been going. Um, lots of, lots of, uh, uh, for the most part, smooth, smooth ride, (laughs) pregnancy brain, pregnancy fog definitely has set in the last couple of weeks here. Um, but all in all, I'm feeling pretty good. And, you know, who knows, baby might arrive next week, might arrive the following week. We just kind of sit back and, um, wait and see what happens. So if you have any questions, feel free just to send me in a DM and, uh, seasonal Andrea. My plan is to kind of pop in there, um, occasionally postpartum. And then I will also still be sending out my, um, weekly newsletters and weekly podcast. So that is overall my plan for my maternity leave. I have some of that stuff already pre-programmed and have interviewed great guests and have recorded some solo shows. And then I'll be back probably in April sharing my birth story and we'll be back to my live weekly. I like to record these the week that they're released just because it feels fresh and, um, you know, I don't know. That's just (laughs) my own preference. So, all right. Well, thank you all so much and go out there and spread your peaceful power.